You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hey, good morning, church. Great to be with you today. And good morning, online church. Good to have you with us too. Summer has arrived, hadn't it, eh? Who would rather be out fishing today than in church? One honest man down there. I think those that would rather be out fishing today are out fishing, aren't they? They're probably, <laughs> probably out there doing it. Very good. Well, I just want to share a few thoughts out of the Word of God this morning. You know, this year really has been a year like no other, but really every year in its own way really is like no other year. It's always different. The big difference about this year is because of COVID-19 is that we have walked this journey together. Something that as a whole, as a population, as a world, really, that we have walked together. But every year, there are people that face their own journey, their own personal crises. You know, they go through stuff. Jesus said that even if we're abiding in him, that there will be pruning. There will be stuff that will happen in our lives. Things will get chopped and, and so on. And so, you know, we all go through years that are unique in their own special way. And because we're wired differently, we tend to handle our journeys differently uh, when we go through a crisis. Like for some, they will just react and lash out when they go through a crisis. For someone else, they, they will just like withdraw into themselves and, and, and just pull back and, and go quiet. Uh, you know, there are others that don't even know they're going through a crisis. You know, oh, what crisis? You know, they're just walking through. They don't even know that there's anything on going around them. God took the nation of Israel from a journey out of Egypt where they'd been slaves for 400 years. And although it was a rough start, they ended up in a good place. And I want us just to take a few lessons out of the story. In fact, this is a great story. The whole story of the exodus out of Egypt with the shedding of the lamb, the blood talking about the, uh, pointing to Jesus Christ and uh, Jesus giving his life as the lamb of God, going through the Red Sea, baptism, uh, going to Mount Sinai, the giving of the law, is given to the Holy Spirit that we have in the New Testament. So there's a parallel right through there and we can learn some great lessons out of it. Bible says that God didn't take them by the shortest route. The shortest route would have been to go through Philistine country. Now, if you know David and Goliath, Goliath was a Philistine. They were a warring people. They were a big people. They had some giants that lived amongst them. And to come out of being a slave, they still had a slave mentality, come out of being a slave and immediately to face a warring nation with giants and so on, that maybe they would have wanted to run back to Egypt again. And so God didn't take them by the shortest route, but he took them through the wilderness, through the desert, which was the longest, so that he could work some stuff out of them. But it meant that they had to go through the Red Sea. They had to cross the Red Sea to get there. And the moment that Pharaoh heard that the people had left Egypt, the Egyptians, they pursued them, the Bible says, with horses and chariots and soldiers and troops and so on. And so the people, when they saw the Egyptians coming, they reacted, they were frightened, they reacted to Moses. They were runaway slaves. Even though they had outrun Pharaoh, they would always be runaway slaves always looking over their shoulder, always worried, maybe the Egyptians are coming after us. Even when they got into their promised land and they were settled into the cities, maybe always looking over their shoulder, wondering, maybe the Egyptians might come and get us again and take us back to Egypt. And even though they no longer were oppressed, as long as the oppressor lived, then they had the potential to be uh, oppressed again. 
See, I don't have to be a slave in bondage to be a slave to fear. I can be delivered out of bondage, but I can still be bound by fear. I can still be thinking, you know, maybe the enemy might get me again. Always looking over my shoulder. If I don't know who I am in Christ, if I don't know that Jesus Christ has set me free, the work done on Calvary was a completed work that set me free from, from the bondage of sin. If I don't know that, I'm going to go through life all the time just looking over my shoulder and wondering, maybe the enemy will get me again. I wonder how many people in in this room are living in past fears, maybe past failures or past bondages or or past uh, disappointments and just wondering, maybe they will get me again. I I wonder how many people in this room are afraid to be happy this morning because you know, maybe something really bad is going to happen. I wonder how many people in this room, you know, are afraid to love this morning because there's been bad experiences in the past. I wonder how many people in this room are are afraid to try again because there's been some failures in the past so they're reluctant to have another go and try again. You see, as long as you allow your Pharaoh to chase you, you, you you'll always be a slave, you'll never be free. You'll never come into your highest calling, the best self that God has for you. Living with that threat really is not living at all. And so God doesn't take the children of Israel by the shortest route. He takes them through the water. They were saved through the water. The water is a great picture to us. You know, everything that was of God, everything that, that, that was, wasn't, was of God came out of the water. Everything that wasn't of God got drowned in the water. It's a picture to us of baptism. You know, baptism is a picture to us of our salvation when we become a Christian. It's a little picture there. It's a, it's a picture that we go in under the water when we get baptized and we die to self and then we rise up again. We're born again. We rise up again as a new creation uh, in Christ. The power of everything that could hold us and, and, and bind us and, and keep us in slavery is drowned in the water when we go through baptism. We come up into new life in, in Christ. There is no need to fear again. And so Pharaoh, he was chasing the nation of Israel because he thought he owned them. But God was told Pharaoh through Moses, he said, Israel is my son, my firstborn son. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll show you that Israel is my firstborn son, but I'll kill your firstborn sons until you let them go free. See, on the night of the Passover, that's why God uh, allowed the angel of death to go from house to house and to take the firstborn sons of Egypt because he's saying, I'm going to show you what it is like to lose a son. It's Pharaoh saying, but, but, but he's my slave. And God says, no, he's my son. And Pharaoh says, he's my slave, I paid for him. You know, God says, no, he's my son, I redeemed him. And, and, and so this battle was going on. Uh, Pharaoh says, I'm going after my, my, my slave. And, and, and God says, I'm going to deliver my son. And, and this, you need to understand, they, they were talking about the same person. The same discussion is had over you and I. Same discussion in the, in the heavenlies happens over you and I. Whatever is chasing you, the enemy is saying he's my slave and God is saying, no, he's my son. And, and at salvation, the slave runs into the water as a slave but comes out of the water as a free son. It's a picture of our salvation that we see in baptism. So you see in Exodus chapter 14 there, it says these words in verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached, The people of Israel looked up in panic when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out of here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. 
Let's be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians will see today, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord will fight for you. Just stay calm. There's a real important, some things that we can learn out of this lesson here of knowing who we are in Christ when we come into times of crisis. And the first thing I want to suggest to you, the first point is stay calm in times of crisis. Stay calm in a time of crisis. Moses said to the people, stay calm, shut your mouths, trust God for the outcome. You will never see this enemy again. See, it's important not to, in the crisis not to let the insecurity of the mob set the agenda of what happens. You know, some folk are not good in crisis times. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're, we're, that's okay. We're, we're all different. We're all wired differently. But you can't let the person that is not good in a time of crisis become the dominant voice in the time of crisis because they will kill faith. When we've made decisions over the years, you know, whether it's to um, add another service or to plant a campus or to buy some land or whatever we're doing, there's always been those folk that have been against it. And, and that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the person that doesn't have faith maybe uh, for the project is an awesome person to have maybe in a time of just an encouraging somebody in a caring role, they have a different gift mix, you know. And so we've all got different gifts, we've all got different strengths and, and uh, you know, but you cannot let the person set the agenda that doesn't have a strength, a gifting in that area. See, God totally destroyed the entire Egyptian army so they sought Dead Egyptians were lying on the shore, the Bible says. Not one of them escaped. The death count was 100%. The people could go forward. They're not having to look over their shoulder for fear that maybe the Egyptian army was going to come and get to them. When God said, I will destroy your enemy, he means I will totally uh, annihilate your enemy. I think if you look back in history, and I'm trying to think back, I can't remember from this time right through that the Egyptian army was ever a problem for Israel again. The only instance I can think where they came up a war against them, the Six-Day War, what was that, 1967, was it, 1967, Six-Day War, and it was only a Six-Day War, it didn't last very long, you know, and uh, God totally destroyed the enemy, they were never a problem again, in fact, there is a peace agreement now between uh, Egypt and, and, and Israel. See, it doesn't matter how big it is, you can have a problem as big as COVID-19, which is destroying uh, economies of, of the nations. God says, I will bring them down. You don't need to be looking over your shoulder all the time worrying that there's something bigger than God out there that is going to get you. you know, there is no sickness that is bigger than God. There is no financial crisis that is bigger than God. There is no failure that is bigger than God. And so the Red Sea, it just closed over there, not to just to destroy Pharaoh, but it closed so that no other troops could ever follow them again. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 4, it said, the Lord brought lasting ruin on them. Lasting ruin. Never to pursue them again. They never got over this. See, they didn't need to go through life, worrying that the Egyptians, the most powerful army uh, in the world at that time, would somehow uh, come through and be able to get them and, and bring them into captivity again. There was another reason that God closed the, the waters back over again was so that the children of Israel could not go back to Egypt. 
They couldn't go back there and say, what are we doing here? We're better off as slaves in Egypt. That's what they said. They, they said in scripture, it says there that it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. God knows that we have times of weakness. We all have them. God knows that we have times of weakness. Then you get to Exodus chapter 15 and verse 20. It says, then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and rider into the sea. I reckon it's like a weird verse. It's a really weird verse. You, you imagine you have been a slave in Egypt for 400 years. Finally, you're allowed to leave. You're allowed to take gold and other valuable things from the Egyptians. You're loading up everything. Who would look for a tambourine? Like the, that would be the last thing on my list. You would have to be a muso or a prophet, wouldn't you, to be looking for a tambourine. I can imagine Dan. You know, he forgets all about Anna. So where's my guitar? It's got to be here somewhere. Where's my guitar? You know, and like Anna's got all the kids trying to load them in. You know, where's my guitar? <laughs> the drums got left behind. They were too big to carry. You know, I think that's out of it. And they were dancing in the desert. Sometimes stuff in life is like a desert. And we need to learn to be able to praise God in the desert. They would have been dancing alongside dead bodies. The Bible says that the dead bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the shore. They would have been dancing amongst the dead bodies of the enemies. You know, sometimes we need to be able to praise God. We need to be able to rejoice and dance, even though we're still amongst the scars of the battles that we've gone through before. Why? Because there will be other battles. There'll be other battles. Second point I want to bring out is this. Cry out to God in the times of crisis. There'll be some tough times ahead. Didn't take long and they had another bitter experience on their journey. Verse 22. It says, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of Shur and they travelled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink and so they called the place Marah, which means bitter. And then the people complained and turned to Moses, What are we going to drink, they demanded. The bitter here doesn't mean just mean that it tasted bad. It means that it was dangerous to drink. And the people cried out. And when people cry out, the leaders are miserable. They go, oh, here we go again, you know. <laughs> Here's some lessons here. The people cried out to Moses, we have nothing to drink. The only thing that you can do as a leader is when people cry out to you that you cry out to God. We see here in this passage, when the people cried out the first time, we saw that Moses as a leader, he tried to settle them, just stay calm, let's just trust God. When they cried out the next step, then he cries out to the Lord. Verse 25 says, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. See, Moses stands between the people and God. When the people cry out to Moses, then Moses cries out to God and then God tells Moses what to do and he goes back and tells the people what God said. People have nothing to drink. They asked God for some water. He answered with a tree, a piece of wood. He said, throw it in the water and it will become sweet. That tree is a type of Calvary. It is a picture of the old rugged cross. The tree is a, prophet, is a prophet that says that the only thing that God has that can make bitter experiences in your life become sweet is the cross of Jesus Christ. I think 
I got a problem with water and you say the answer is a tree. Like it doesn't even look like an answer. It doesn't look like it's got anything to do with the problem. You know, we, we say to people, Jesus is the answer. They said, I don't need Jesus. What I need is I need help with my finances. I need help with my marriage. I need help with my anger. Je Jesus doesn't even look anything like an answer to my problem. See, whatever it is you're praying for, the answer is the tree. The answer is the cross of Jesus Christ. If, if, if you need peace in your life, the answer is the tree. If you need healing in your life, the answer is the tree. If you need some uh, financial help, the answer is the tree. If you're going through some waters that are bitter, then the answer is the tree. See, I don't care what the bitterness is in your life. The tree can turn it sweet again. The tree is Calvary. They threw the tree in the water and the water changed. Verse 25, it says, And it was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. See, the trees caused that what, which was bitter to become sweet. It was a place of healing. Third thing is that crisis is not the end of the journey. The crisis is not the end of the journey. Verse 27, it says, After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam. Yay, came to Elam. It says, Where they found 12 springs, uh, 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there beside the water. There were exactly 12 wells of water, and there were 70 palm trees. Like this place, Elam, it, feels, it sounds like a resort, doesn't it? It's a nice place to go. And it says, when they got to Elam, the, the lesson here is when they came to Elam, they came to a prepared blessing. Somebody had been there before. How do we know that someone had been there before? It says there were 12 wells. The modern translations say that there were 12 springs of water, but the older translations say that there were 12 wells of water. Even the famous uh, first century historian Josephus, he wrote that uh, Elam could still be located in his time, and he confirmed the existence of trees and wells. He said there were, there were not springs, there were wells. See, wells are not a natural experience. It's not like a lake, it's not like a pond or something like that that is natural. It is a well. Somebody had to dig it. God had somebody go there beforehand and dig wells so that when they came, there was water prepared there for them to, to drink. See, Elam really is a taste of the promised land. In the promised land, God said to them, there would be cities waiting for them that they had not built. There would be houses that they had not built. There would be fields there that they had not plowed. What does that mean for Elam for us today? You know, I, I believe that God will give us houses that we didn't build, vineyards that we haven't grown. Somebody's digging a right, uh, well right now for you so when you get to their place, there is a well there that will be able to sustain you and to keep you. Fields already plowed, God will look after you. I used to joke with Pastor Boyd out at Manuera and uh, when we had the church in Weymouth Road, the little church that used to be a Catholic church there, and uh, we brought that. And I used to say to him, you young guys, you live in the promised land. And uh, he didn't seem to agree with me. And, and <laughs> when we uh, brought the Jehovah's Witness property, beautiful property and you know, all the buildings and everything there, the lands here, I got a text from him. He said, this is the promised land. <laughs> <laughs> See, we obtained buildings that we had not built. Yeah. 
You know, I believe that there are more to come. Believe that, you know, we will see more that God will give to us that others have built, others have ploughed, others have made a way before us. See, maybe you have always dug your own way out of things. You've always been human effort. You know, you've, you've put it and dug your own way out of, out of everything that maybe the enemy comes and sets against you, but not this time. God says, I'm going to bring you into another man's labor. I'm going to bring you into a well where you can drink of a well. You can be refreshed. You can be sustained. You can come into a place of rest. When they threw the tree into the bitter water at Marah, it became sweet. It's a picture of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, but when they came to Marah, we know that they didn't camp there. They moved on from there. But when they came to Elam, the Bible says that they camped at this place. It was a place where they could stay and be sustained. It wasn't a one-off experience. It was a sustained blessing. Out of the desert, around these wells, there grew palm trees, which provided them with shade. Do you need shade in your life today? Maybe you've been going through some really tough times. Maybe this year with all the stuff that's been happening with the pandemic and maybe you've been struggling just to make ends meet. Maybe it's been difficult with relationships. You're watching the news maybe each night and you're becoming really fearful and stressed out with all the stuff that's happening around in the world. Do you need shade? The Bible says that they came to palm trees where they could sit and rest and have shade in the desert. See, God can bring you into Elam. He can bring you into a place of shade bring you into a place of fresh food, a place of deep wells, a place of rest. You know, 2020, it's been a dry place, hasn't it? A place of uncertainty. But God is saying to us that he's going to bring us into a place of sustainability. He's going to bring us into a new place. He says, he says, I'm going to set you free from your fears. I'm going to totally destroy your enemy. I'm going to bring you uh, in, into a place where there are wells that you haven't dug. I'm going to bring you into a place where you have rest I just wanted to really encourage you maybe in the middle of a pandemic maybe in the middle of the crisis that we've had this year you know people coming to the end of the year just feeling worn out and tired you know someone said to me in the first service you know they just feel weary you know it's just been one of those years hasn't it it's just the uncertainty of it all and the stuff they just feel weary all the time you know God is, is digging wells I've got someone digging wells for you so you can be refreshed amen let's just pray father we just thank you lord for your goodness to us just thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray for anyone maybe here today, Lord, that is just really just feeling, you know, just that feeling of looking over their shoulder, wondering if maybe the enemy is just going to come and get them again. Something they've experienced in the past is going to come and bite them again. Father, I just speak life into them right now in Jesus' name that you have been set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you gone through the wells of salvation? through the waters that you have been set free. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.